0: John 11 verse 14, the Bible says this, Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Notice what he says. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Would you help us pray, Father? Lord, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for letting us be in church this morning. What a privilege it is to be in the house of God. What a privilege to have a place that we can come to to sing the songs of Zion to see the people of God but then to open the word of God and to read it and put our eyes upon it then to hear preaching from it God we take this for granted so many times I pray this morning God that you'd help us I pray you'd help me to be filled with the spirit of God Uh, God to not be filled with self and God be, uh, be put aside for just a moment to be used as a vessel worthy of being used this morning God help me to say everything I need to say and guard me from saying anything I don't need to say this morning fill me With the Holy Spirit of God, unctionize me and anoint me, God, to preach your word. And I pray if there be one lost here under the sound of our voice, I pray today will be the last day that they're lost. I pray, God, if there be one here that's discouraged, I pray this be the last day. I pray they'd be encouraged in the Lord. God, you do what only you could do so you could be the only one to get the glory for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the word of God. This is a very familiar story to many people this account of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead it covers from verses 1 to 45 and for sake of time we did not read all 45 verses so there's just some homework this afternoon or this evening you can read those 45 verses but I read a a story about a school system who in a large city had a program and this program was to help children that were having long term stays in the hospital it was to help them stay caught up in their for schooling. And they hired uh, specific teachers to be able to do these hospital-bound visits and to go in and to teach these students different things. And there was a a woman who was a part of that staff. She was told to go visit a particular young boy. She was given no details about the boy's condition. She was not told anything about why he was there. She was just told, would you please go uh, teach him about nouns and adverbs. That's what we're studying in our class, and we don't want to get him. We don't want him to be behind uh, uh, while he's in the hospital. And so she goes to see that boy that afternoon and, and nobody had told her that this boy was in the hospital because he had been badly burned all over his body. He was in great pain, uh, he was in great uh, distress and even depression had set in to this little boy's life. And so the, the woman was shocked when she walked into the room, but nonetheless, she covered her or she, she, uh, she carried herself well. And she told him, I was sent today uh, from the school to teach you about nouns and adverbs. And uh, so when she left, though, uh, she she did the lesson. When she left, she didn't really feel like she had done much of anything. Uh, uh, She really was hoping that she did not offend him by her shock of what was going on in the room. And anyway, uh, she leaves, and she felt like uh, maybe she had not done much. She come back the next day to do the lesson again. And a nurse came up to her and said, What did you do to that boy? And the teacher immediately thought that maybe she had done something wrong. And, and she thought, oh, I don't know. What did I do wrong? And the nurse said, no, no, no. You, you didn't do anything wrong. Uh, you, you don't know what I mean. We've been worried about this little boy. But ever since you left yesterday, his whole attitude has changed. It's like he's fighting back. It's like he's responding to the treatments. It's almost as if this little boy has decided to live. It's like you brought some hope with you yesterday. What did you teach him? She said, I just taught about nouns and adverbs. Two weeks later, the boy began to talk about what happened that day. And he told that teacher that I had completely given up hope. I thought that I was going to die. I had given up all hope in this world to survive. But you coming into my room changed everything. And this is what the little boy said. They wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? They wouldn't send a teacher to teach nouns and adverbs to a boy that was about to die. And that little lesson on nouns and adverbs in the hospital gave this boy hope. You think about hope, and hope is defined as the feeling that what is wanted can be had, or maybe the events that are going on will turn out for the best. Hope is something we all want. It is something we all need and we all desire. And hope is very powerful in our life. As this little boy had finally got some hope in his life, he began to fight to live. And the power of hope cannot be understood underestimated in our own life. I even read a story about uh, lab rats and how they took one set of lab rats and put them in a a pool of water and left them there for 24 hours. And it was not long those rats had give up hope and died and drowned in that water. Another set of lab rats they put in the water and ever so often they would take uh, those rats out of the water, set them on dry ground and then put them back in. And then they'd set them out and put them back in. And then they said eventually those same those rats would swim for over 24 hours. Why? Because they had some hope in their mind that maybe if I just swim a little bit longer, there'll be a hand uh, to come rescue me. Maybe if I just go a little bit further, there'll be a hand to rescue me. There is no a way we can underestimate the power of hope in our life and when, uh, in other people's lives. When hope fails, dreams shatter. When hope fails, people give up. And in John chapter 11, we find some people who had given up. We find some people who were hopeless, if you will. It may be in John chapter 11, one of the most hopeless cases in all the Bible. You look into this story, and we're going to look into it this morning, in the death of, of Lazarus, we find that he's dead, and there was no hope. Now, you stop for a minute, those of you that know your Bible would say, why would there be no hope? Jesus had, had brought other people up from the dead, and you'd be right. You're right he did bring that little girl who was about 12 years old that had just died that day he brought her up uh, from the deathbed and thank God that he did but that was a little girl and she would only been dead a few hours and yes I know there was another story the widow of Nain was headed down to bury her son she's on the way the funeral possession is headed down to the graveyard the pallbearers are holding the casket and Jesus came to a young man we don't know how Oh, this young man was. He may have been a teenager, but he goes and he uh, lifts that boy out of the casket and that boy lives. Oh, hallelujah, that he can raise the dead. But that, that young man had maybe only been dead maybe a day or so. He's a fresh dead person, if you will. That young girl, uh, she was freshly dead, if you will. But Lazarus, on the other hand, had been dead for four whole days. They were not carrying him down to the graveyard. They had already done that. They had already wrapped his body with spices and ointments and cloths of graveyard, uh, grave clothes, uh, and they had already laid him in the tomb. Uh, They had already rolled the stone in front of the mouth of the tomb uh, and had already sealed the grave. Uh, This man uh, was dead, but he was four days dead. You're like, oh well, he's dead. There's no hope. Seal the door. No way to raise him no way there's no hope for him there's no hope for this family and we find in this story hope for the hopeless hope for the hopeless. There are times in our lives where we get where we feel like there is no hope. Where we feel like there is no way out of the current situation that we're in. We feel like that this is what we have to look forward every day the rest of our life. And we feel like we have no hope. And we're going to look in this story and uh, we're going to see hope for the hopeless. Now wait a minute. Some of you know this story. And if you're not careful you'll read this story like you read the story of Job. And you know, you know why the tragedy happens with Job. You know why everything was going on in his life because you know, and you're happy to know how it ended with Job. In this same story, if you know the story here of Lazarus, you know the reason why he let Lazarus die was to bring glory, and you know the end of the story. And if you're not careful, you'll read this without sympathizing with Mary and Martha, without uh, realizing that you have been through the same thing, uh, or same things, or similar things, and you life where maybe you thought all hope was gone you thought everybody was against you you thought the very one that you, uh, you thought the very one that said he loved you the very one that said he'd take care of you uh, has seemed to let you down uh, has seemingly forsaken you uh, you've probably been in places like Mary and Martha were and the problem is we don't know the end of our story they didn't know the end of their story But I'm glad there's a God in heaven that knows the end of the story. I'm glad there's a God in heaven that knows the beginning from the end and everything in between. And so we read this story and we see this story. And I want to notice, first of all, the hopeless situation. I see the insurmountable problems that are here. Verses 1 through 16, we read there are a lot of problems going on in this situation. One of those problems is a disease or a sickness. Verses 1 through 3 tells us there's a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, her sister Martha. And the Bible says in verse number 3, Therefore his sister sent unto him, Say, Lord, behold, he, him or who, he whom thou lovest is sick. And this man, Lazarus, this man who Jesus loves is what his sister says. This man is sick. It just means that he's sick. He's weak. He is a, a disease. He's got something wrong with him. And Jesus gives us the idea that this sickness is going to kill him. And we know the story. It does eventually kill him. Lazarus is sick. And Mary and Martha, his sisters, they sinned for Jesus. They're so concerned about their brother they send a messenger to Jesus and they want Jesus to come and heal Lazarus I tell you what that request that they gave to Jesus says something about their faith in Jesus they knew that Jesus loved them they knew that Jesus cared for them but they also knew that Jesus had the power to heal their brother before it got too bad maybe Mary and Martha had watched him heal other people maybe they had heard about the people time and time again that he had healed and they thought for sure if Jesus could show up or if Jesus could just speak up he could change our circumstances they believed that he not only had the power to do something about their situation they believed he cared enough to do something about their situation but then I see the delay in the story the delay in the story verse number five says this now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus that's good to know but when he had heard, verse six says, "When he had heard, when he had heard, therefore that he was sick, he abode two days, still in the same place where he was. He delays." We see Jesus says that he loves, the Bible says that he loves Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Uh, Mary and Martha knew that he loved them enough to sin for him. He loved them and he finds out his friend Lazarus is sick. He finds out that this urgent request from the sisters to come and to do something about it and Jesus reacts in a weird way, maybe a surprising way, a way that we wouldn't expect. I would expect Jesus to drop everything he's doing and run to him. That's his friend. He loves him. But instead of getting up and getting to Lazarus, Jesus just stays where he's at for two more days. Now just mindful what's going on here. Jesus, we already saw in chapter 10, Jesus leaves Jerusalem and goes back over to uh, across uh, over close to Jordan. Now when he was in Jerusalem, he's only about two miles from Bethany where Lazarus is. Now he's about 25 miles away. So this is going to take a while to get down there. And he didn't start. It didn't say it took him two days to get down there. He abode where he was at two more days. He stayed around. He delayed. I mean, you think about it. Could Jesus heal Lazarus? Of course he could. Could Could Jesus have spoken the words right where he was at and made Lazarus perfectly well? Sure he could. He'd done that before, didn't he? He had healed people without seeing them. He had healed people without touching them. Remember that soldier's boy, the soldier's servant, I mean, the servant of that centurion? He didn't even go to the man's house. He just spoke the words and the man got up. We know the same thing happened with that father that came to him in uh, John chapter 6 that came and said, help my unbelief. Jesus didn't go to that man's house to heal his boy. Uh, He spoke the words and it happened. Jesus could have done that for Lazarus. He cared about him. He, he, he loved him he stays where he's at two more days and by the time he decides to get to Lazarus Lazarus has died not by the time he gets to Lazarus but the time he decides to start going to Lazarus Lazarus is already dead why did God wait? Why did Jesus wait? Well he tells us in verse 14 and 15 he says the, the disciples Lazarus is dead and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there To the intent you may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. What's he saying? He said this, if I was there, I would have healed him before he died. If I was there, he would not have died. But I'm glad that I was not there because you're about to see something bigger than me just healing a sick man. You've heard me and saw me heal a bunch of sick people, and yes, they've seen him heal two dead people. But listen, I understand dead is dead, right? There's no levels of being dead. Hey, but Lazarus, was, what if you, in the way of mindset, if we get in kind of our human understanding, we'd say Lazarus was more dead than the little girl was. She's just a few hours. We'd say Lazarus might be more dead than that boy was because they had not not even gotten him in the graveyard yet. And again, I know, dead is dead. You can't be more dead than another person. But Jesus is about to do something that's bigger than really anything he's done yet in raising Lazarus from the dead. And so I thought about this. I thought about this while Jesus is waiting and while the disciples here, I'm glad for your sake, this is going to all happen for the glory of God. That ain't what Mary and Martha hears back in Bethany. I think about Mary and Martha and that servant getting back to them. And they say, is he coming? Is he coming? He's like, and the servant says, I'm not real sure. What well, do you mean you're not sure? Did he not follow you here? No, no, he didn't follow me here. Well, what did he say? Well, he, he said, uh, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. What does that mean? I don't know. You didn't ask him? No, I didn't ask him. Not really sure what it was. Not sure what he means. So you don't think he's coming? I don't know. I'm not saying he ain't coming, but he didn't follow me here. Can you imagine that conversation? And Mary and Martha thinks, why is he not here? Why is he not coming? What did he mean? It's to glorify the Son of God. What does he mean by that statement? Then all of a sudden, their brother dies. Mary and Martha doesn't understand what he means by glory. He, and he, he doesn't hear, she doesn't hear Jesus talking to the disciples later on. And now Mary and Martha were forced to watch their brother waste away and die. They're forced to wash his body, to prepare it for burial, to lay it in a tomb. They're forced to feel the pain and the heartache and the sorrow and the doubt. They're forced into an impossible, hopeless situation. You ever been there? been there where you brought your problems to the Lord you brought your petition to the Lord and all you get in return is silence he ain't showed up yet he ain't said nothing yet you're reading in your Bible trying to find an answer and everything looks like black words on white paper nothing's jumping out at you you're praying and asking God to touch the situation but nothing seems to change and maybe it's even getting worse That's how it was for these ladies. It wasn't that things were not changing. Oh, they were changing. They were changing for the worse. They were changing to get worse than where they started. He was just sick now. He's dead. And All of a sudden, they're in a hopeless situation. And you may find yourself in a hopeless situation, a desperate situation, and you need an answer, but there's no answer coming. Don't even seem like it's on its way. You know what we need to remember in times like that? Here's what we need to understand when we get in times of divine silence in our life. We need to understand that the Lord was able to see what the sisters and the disciples could not see. See, the Lord was able to see beyond the crisis of the moment. He could see the end glory of God that that he would receive through that crisis. See, see, he was able to see beyond the, 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 the mess of the moment he could see to the miracle of what was coming. He knew what was on the other side of pain. He knew what was on the other side of problems. He knew what was on the other side of all that pressure. He knew the outcome before the crisis ever even reached his peak. Oh, I have remember some people in my life, I have remember some people that have testified to me, I'm not saying I'd like to go through what I went through again, but I can see the glory of God on the other side. I've had people say, I don't think I would do it all over again, but my goodness, I've seen goodness of God more since I come out of that trial, since I come out of that crisis. I can tell you about some times in my personal life where I didn't know what God was doing, but looking back now, I can see how God got glory out of that crisis in my life. See, God knows more about our situation than we do. You know what our duty is? Our duty is to trust him. Even when we can't figure out what he's doing when you can't figure him out, just figure him in. I believe it was Lester-Roloff said, when you can't track him, just trust him. Just believe on him and believe he knows what he's doing and he knows why he's doing it. He's got a purpose for what he's doing. The Lord knows our outcome, the outcome of the crisis before the crisis even begins. And so we are to have faith on the Lord. In Mark chapter 11, verse number 12, Jesus summarized it like this. Have faith in God. That's what he said, just have faith in God. He said this in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In Psalm 62 and 8, he said, trust in him at all times. You people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Say why. Hey, you can put all your trust in him when you can't track him. When you don't know what's going on, you can trust. Even in the delays, God's got a purpose. The delay, we see the, the desperation or the disease, we see the death, and he died. Lazarus dies. Verse 11 through 16, verse 14, verse 14 Jesus plainly says, that Lazarus is dead. It went from bad to worse in their situation. But then I see the doubt in this story. Verse 21, Bible says, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Their their pleas had been unanswered. They had called for God and God hadn't showed up. I I wonder if they felt defeated. I wonder if they felt discouraged. I I wonder if they were distressed about the situation. I understand they were grieving for their brother being gone, but they called for Jesus. Jesus could have done something about it. and He didn't. We asked Jesus to take this away, and he didn't. I wonder if they started doubting him. This is the, I, I wonder how many times Mary and Martha sat beside Lazarus saying the same thing, if he'd have just been here. If he'd have just showed up, things would be so different. If, if he would have just been here, he wouldn't, Lazarus wouldn't die. I wonder, they probably said it over and over. You know why I think that? Because Martha said it, and then when Mary shows up, she says the same thing. That's what they were, that's where they that's what they were that's where they were living at that moment. Why didn't you come? Where were you at? We thought you loved us. Where were you at when we needed you most? You ever been there? You ever felt like that? I'm telling you, it is really easy to get discouraged with the Lord when He doesn't do things our way in our time. Listen, the most selfless person in this room, we have some selfishness in us. We want it our way, on our time We want God to be the Jenny in the bottle To just be at our beck and call and Do it our way We think we know what's best We think because we got a little bit of education We know what's best We think because we got access to all the information On the internet, we know what's best Because we've had all the seminars and all the training We know what's best And We tell God, this is how you ought to do it And Martha says, what you should have done Is got on down here Listen, I'm not faulting Martha. I'm saying I can relate to her. I'm not not putting Martha uh, low on the totem pole here. I'm saying I can relate to her because I ain't had had a brother die and I've been there. I ain't been in the exact same situation she's in, but I've been there. I thought, why didn't you show up? Couldn't you just have heated this off? Couldn't you just have stopped this before it started? That's where she's at. I see. I'll tell you this. That's where a lot of people lose the battle. That's where a lot of people give up. They get mad at God when God doesn't do what we want when we want it. And now all of a sudden they quit on God. And what happens is when you quit on God, you end up missing the greatest blessing of your life. What if, what if they'd quit on him? What if they'd no, nope, get out of here. You didn't show up when we wanted you to. Just go on. You didn't come when we called you. Too late now. He's already dead in the grave. Just head on back home. Just go on, mind your own business, whatever you was doing that was so much more important than us. Just head on and take care of their needs. You said, I would never talk to God like that. No, you might not with your lips, but boy, in them hearts. That mind... I see this, and then all of a sudden she says this, but I know, verse 22, but I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And look what Jesus says in verse 23. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. And Martha is trying to be nice, and she's trying to be kind of spiritual, and and, and she goes, and, 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 but, 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 but Jesus, that ain't really helping me right now. Look what she says. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But I want him here now. I know. Watch this, watch this. Somebody come by at the funeral procession. The hope of heaven's good. Glad we're going to get to see him again. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad we're going to have a glad reunion day one day? Hey, watch it. That might help for a moment. Some of you have been there. And I know they mean well, and I mean well when I say it. I know we are going to get to see them in heaven, but I want them here. I remember telling my cousins that when their mother died in a horrible accident, and I remember my cousin looking at me straight. He said, I know I'm going to see her in heaven. He said, But I want her now. He, this is what he said. He said, I'm not going to need her as much in heaven as I need her here. is gonna be fixed in heaven. Maybe that's where Martha was. That's good. I'm gonna see him at the resurrection. But Lord, everything's gonna be okay there. I'm not gonna need a brother to take care of me there. I'm not gonna need someone to defend me, to protect me, and provide for me there. But I need him here. She says, "I know he's going to." And Jesus says, "He, he, he puts out some." Prom- I see the problem, but I see some promises given. But these promises are not, they're not, it's not like Martha all of a sudden understands what she's saying and woo, hallelujah, yet it's it's almost inconceivable. It's, I know he's going to live in the resurrection at the last day. Verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Now watch this, when I was reading that in my studies, I shouted about that, but I'm really trying to make sure I'm... Re- reading this in the context of what's happening here, Martha wasn't shouting about it. Yet, she's going to. All right, ain't gonna. Take, but but but, she ain't registering all this yet. Here's what Jesus is saying to her. Jesus says this: You're in this hopeless situation. You can't do nothing about it. You're broken hearted. You cannot fix what's going on. And Martha meets Jesus and he says, you're right. And I know he's going to rise again. I know I'm going to see him one day. But, but And I know I believe in the resurrection and all that stuff. But here's what Jesus said: He stops her and says, the resurrection of Lazarus don't have to wait till a future event. He said, I am presently, I am the resurrection and the life. Here's what he's trying to say. that I can get him up right now. I can do something about your present situation is what he says. He says this, verse number 26. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then he asked a question. Believest thou this? We see this promise he promises about deliverance from death. He's not talking about he's not talking about uh, necessarily physical death. even if uh, this case, Lazarus is going to get up verse number 25, verse 26 is not talking about physical death just because you get saved doesn't mean you won't physically die. You're going to physically die one day. You're going to physically live this world. But he is talking about that second death, that eternal death. He said this, that if those that whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. He said, I am the resurrection. I'm the resurrection from spiritual death. And I am the resurrection for eternal death. And he's about to show us how he even has power over physical death in just a moment. But he he says that statement in verse 26. And then he asked the question. Believest thou this? Here's what he's saying. Martha, is your faith in me and what I can do? Are you trusting me with everything in this situation? Believest thou this? He said this in verse 26. He's saying, saying, if you have placed your faith in me, and what I can do, I'm telling you, that translates to you being able to see and experience greater things in this life and in life to come. There's a big, there's, it's bigger than this life. It's bigger than what's going on right now, Martha. Think about how the Lord is always able to walk in to hopeless situations and give hope because of the promises that he makes. See, this promise that martha he's given to Martha is the hopeless case of death. But he gives some promises. In verse 26, he gives a promise to not just that physical death, but he's, talking to a, he's offering hope to every person who places their faith in him. But I'm glad his promises are not just limited to death. I'm glad there are promises, thousands of promises that relate to every part of our life. And all of his promises are yea and amen. His promises encompass everything about our life and gives us hope in every situation of our life. And listen, everything that God has promised, God is able to do. He's able. He will honor his promises he's made to us. He will never fail. To do what he says he will do. That's our God. That's the promises that he makes. They are secure. They are guaranteed. He will and can never fail. The the question this morning to us is this. Believest thou this? Do you believe that his promises are true? Do Do you believe that he can get you out of your hopeless situation? You're lost this morning. Don't know the Savior as your don't know the Lord as your personal Savior. You've never uh, believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. As the dear brother has given a clear presentation of the gospel in his presentation. Hey, listen. You've heard the gospel. Some of you have heard it over and over and over and over again. And you may feel like your situation is hopeless. but how Do you believe that God can save you? That God can change your life? That God can do something about the situation you're in? Believest thou this? There's promises. Not one promise has he ever failed on. And he, and he ain't going to start today. I see the problem. I see these promises, but thank God I see the power that's demonstrated in this, in this account. Look in verse 33. The Bible says, When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled And said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. The shortest verse in your Bible. If you can't memorize anything, you ought to memorize this one. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus enters into this scene of hopeless sorrow. And listen, he didn't just come with some soothing words. (laughs) He came into this hopeless case and he demonstrated that he's got power over life and power over death. And he didn't just make any promise or he didn't make some empty promise. He did something about the problem. Notice first of all his compassion that he shows. He spoke to Martha, he spoke to Mary about the death of their brother and he's moved by the scene before him. Imagine for a moment what's going on. Mary and Martha are there. They're weeping for their brother. There are other people there that are weeping. Mary and Martha are heartbroken, devastated, emotionally shattered. What are they going to do now? They're visibly grifted. Listen, and, and listen, if you can't relate to this, let me. I, I, I didn't say this earlier, but let me put this in perspective. More than likely, Mary and Martha do not have a daddy still living. And more than likely, from what we gather, from all that we know from the God, they don't have husbands. The only hope for these ladies being taken care of is their brother taking care of them. This is not 2024 where a lady can just go get a job and take care of herself and do anything really for herself. She's got to have her brother. They have got to have their brother take care of them. And now, and, and listen, and there's, and there's law in Jerusalem about taking care of widows. But as far as we know, they're not widows. There's laws in Jerusalem how to take care of orphans but these are adult women. There's no law about taking care of an adult orphan. And so, listen, their situation, it's worse than just a close family member passing away. As bad as that is. This is their livelihood. There's no hope. What are they going to do? And Jesus sees this and he sees them broken about this situation (laughs) The Bible says he groaned in the spirit. That word groan literally means it means he had some, he had, it was like a noise. They say it literally means to snort like a horse. Oh, oh. I mean, this, this is the kind of grief that he's on. That, listen, Jesus is not in, Jesus is not being over-dramatic here. That's how grieved he is about what's going on. I don't know if he's groaning because of the unbelief of the crowd because then all of a sudden there's some people start speaking up and say, hey, hey, well, if he could heal the sick, couldn't he, couldn't he done something about him? Hey, why didn't he so, hey, if God's so good, why does bad things happen? That's what they were asking. I don't know if he was grieved about the unbelief there or if he was just simply grieved because of the pain Mary and Martha were going through. One writer even maybe gives the idea that maybe he's grieved about, thinking about bringing Lazarus back from paradise back to earth. And I read about that and thought about it for a moment, but then I thought, well, he knew before he got there it was all to bring glory for God. So I understand that, but he knew that well, the reason he's bringing him back was for the glory of God. And Lazarus is going to get to go back to paradise. I don't know, but I know this. He's, he, he, is under, he is under some pressure here. He is, he, is, he, is, he is groaning. He is sad. And then the Bible says he's troubled about it. And that word trouble a lot of times means a, you could physically see it on him. You could feel his, his countenance was changed, his body maybe even was drooping, gives an idea, maybe even his body was shaking with just grief. Listen, he's deeply touched with these ladies' infirmity. He's deeply touched by the grief that these women are going through. And then the Bible says he wept. He shed tears over this man. He shed tears over this situation. Listen, he's about to glorify God. He's about, he knows what he's about to do, but yet he grieved with these ladies in their grief. He felt the pain of his friends. And he's touched by the feelings of their informities. Here's the point I'm trying to make to you uh, folks is that Jesus cares about our situations. Jesus is touched by the hopelessness in our lives. And Jesus is not just some remote deity off in the far yonder. He is not just some God sitting around uh, uh, watching his people suffer. No. He is moved by our pain. He is moved by our infirmities. He is the present Lord and he is a very present help in time of need. Listen, he feels the infirmity. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. We don't have a high priest that's set off lofty somewhere. He's right in the midst of our troubles. 1 Peter 5 7 tells us we can cast our care on him because he does care for us and I'm glad this morning that the God of heaven enters into our hopeless cases with a heart of compassion. He understands where we are and he enters into our sorrow and he helps everything, everything make it better he, because his grace is sufficient and his peace passeth all understanding and his strength upholds us by his right hand of righteousness listen he cares for you in your hopeless situation I see his care We can talk about his prayer praise to God out loud not so because God couldn't hear him if he didn't pray out loud But he prays to God out loud for those people to know what he's about to do is going to glorify the Father. But lastly, I see not only his care, but I see his control. Verse 39, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone, Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. That makes sense. I'll say this, I remember Brother David Nick saying one time, you believe God can raise him from the dead. Don't, don't you think he can do something about the stink? If he can raise him from the dead, he can do something about the stink. Amen. But nonetheless, Martha said, made a good point. He's been dead four days. He's already starting to decay. And Jesus saith in her, verse 40, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God? Don't you remember just a little while ago we were talking? I asked you, Believe thou this? And you said, Thou the Christ, we believe you. Have you already forgotten? And he says this, verse 41, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearst me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, Come forth. Jesus groaned and he wept, he's troubled, but all of a sudden he command he commanded them to roll back that stone, and Jesus does the unthinkable. He walks up to that tomb, Lazarus and he cries out, Lazarus comes forth and he, listen he's commanding a dead man he's commanding a man he's telling somebody to do something that He's dead. He can't hear. And if that man can't hear, and he can't obey. Dead man don't hear commands. Dead man don't respond to commands. Dead man didn't hear and can't obey. But Lazarus did. What the Bible say next? Verse number, uh, verse number 244, And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. Je- Lazarus, he was alive. He rose from the dead. Jesus spoke life unto his man. At the command of Jesus, Lazarus was made alive, and he came out of the tomb. And Jesus said, Loose him and let him go lose him and let uh, go. I think about the marvelous scene that was here in one simple statement one simple phrase by our Lord. The same power that brought creation to the universe uh, uh, caused the dead man to live and that's the power of God we serve in 2024. Uh, This is a picture of the power of almighty God. Uh, He's in control of Everything you think about it this morning. If God can speak the world into existence, He can handle your situation. If He can speak and the stars start to shine, He can and He can put the planets into orbit. He can handle your situation. If God can speak and the waters uh, go, they flow with fish, and the heavens filled with birds, and the earth filled with animal life, all oh, because of His voice, uh, then He can handle your situation. If He can breathe in a pile of dirt, a pile of dust and create humanity, then He can handle your situation. If He can speak and calm the stormy waves, then He can handle your situation. If He can touch a leper and make him clean, He can handle your situation. And if He can open the eyes of the blinded man, then He can handle your situation. If He can fill the multitudes with five loaves and two fish, He can handle your situation. And if He can speak and bring a dead man back to life, He can handle your Situation this morning, and if he can conquer sin on a barred cross and defeat death in a barred tomb, then he can handle your situation. What we see here is not a scene of uncontrolled chaos, but we see a a control. We see a scene of divine control, the power of God. That's what Jesus does: brings hope to the hopeless. He walks into our hopeless situations. and He brings hope. And Just like he did for Mary Martha and Nazareth that day. He's still doing it today. He can still do it today. There's a whole lot of things that could be going on in your life. And what may seem hopeless to you may not bother me at all. But there may be some hopeless situation you've got going on. Hopeless situation that may be coming down the road. We've got a Lord that can handle your hopeless situation. Bring it to him. Bring it to him. I can start listing a bunch of things and miss whatever it is that's going on in your life, but whatever it is, bring it to him. If it's a person, bring, it to, bring that person to the Lord. Once you watch God work for his glory and for our good? He knows what he's doing. You can trust him. You can, you can put all your faith in him. It might appear you're hopeless today. But that's, all, that's just how it appears. Because all you can see is right now. There's a God in heaven that can see the end of the story. I read about a little, I read about a, a little league baseball game. And a man walked up to the dugout. And he asked the boy in the dugout, he said, uh, What's the score? And the boy said, It's 18 to nothing. We're behind. That man said, well, that's, that's discouraging. Are you discouraged about that? The boy said, no, I'm not discouraged. Why should I be? We had not went up the bat yet. That boy had some hope. You know what? Right now it looks like we're losing. Looks like we're on the losing side. We'll sing that song on the choir, I'm on the winning side. And sometimes life don't feel like you're on the winning side. There's a God in heaven It's working all things for good to them that love him. He's working it out for good and for his glory. And Jesus said this to those disciples, I'm glad that I was not there, that you might believe. What is he trying to work in our life? He's trying to work our faith. He's trying to work our faith to be stronger in him. Are you hopeless this morning? You feel hopeless this morning? Why don't you come to the only one that can bring hope to you this morning? Everything changes when Jesus shows up to your hopeless situation. Everything changes when God shows up. I don't know what it is in your life. but The Lord can handle it. The Lord can handle it. The Lord can take care of it. I've proved him over and over. Jesus, Jesus. Precious Jesus. The question is, believest thou this? Believest thou this? Maybe you're like that daddy earlier on in the gospel of John who said, I, Lord, I believest. Help thou my unbelief. I got faith, but Lord, help my, help my unbelief. Help those places in my life that I'm not trusting you. Help those places in my life that I'm not fully committed to you. Maybe you're like that today.